Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Kill the Cast. My name is Jerry. Today I am with a longtime friend of mine named Kenneth. He is like my heterosexual life mate and he has actually introduced me to some of my now favorite horror movies including exploitation greats like Cannibal Holocaust and Zombie 2. Um, and I, I can't count how many horror movies I have set and watched with this man. Um, we used to live together, and that's like all we did was watch movies. So without further ado, Kenneth, welcome to Kill the Cast. Hey, how's it going, everybody out there? Glad to be here. All right, so Kenneth, since no one knows you, let's learn a little bit about you. First of all, we have to know favorite horror movies. What, which ones get you going? I would probably have to say my favorite horror movie of all time, as you know, but for everybody else out there, um, would be The Exorcist. The Exorcist is my favorite horror movie of all time. Um, a few others that uh, I would have to say probably stick out in my mind. Um, I Spit on Your Grave, um, Last House on the Left, That one, both of those, those really get my guts kind of turning when I watch them. The originals, obviously. No, you and, honestly mean the remix, because when I watch the remix, my stomach turns too, and then I throw up. <laughs> I totally feel you there, man. Um, but, you know, movies like that, and then the, the they range from things like that on to into mainstream things like Jaws, and, you know, we all know that you're a, a diehard fan of Jaws, you know, but... Uh, that's pretty much uh, that. Pretty much covers it, and then slasher movies. I mean, pretty much anything with a lot of blood and guts, or it really gets to the gu- gets to the mind. So, yeah, and I know you're a huge, huge Freddy Krueger fan. That I am, um, and you know, I honestly think that it stems from when I was a kid. I was terrified of Freddy, and now as an adult, he's one of my favorite slashers. So, you know, I, I just like his exquisite wit, and uh, you know, just to let everybody know, because uh, to uh, you know, get it out there. I really did actually enjoy the remake of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. So, uh, you know, a lot of people out there probably want to kick me in the nuts for that one, but uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I I remember going and seeing the movie with you, and uh, there there was a weird scene in there where they're like in a a convenience store or something, and and I was starting to fall asleep a little bit. So I was going in and out of the dream while they were going in and out of the dream. Right, really right. That's actually my like favorite part. Me, like, wake the fuck up. Yeah, that's my favorite part of the movie, actually. I was that one was really person. good. <laughs> I was, I was just fucking tired. So was was that the one that we saw like two or three times in the theater, or was that the first? Uh, or was that Rob Zombie's Halloween? I can't remember which one we went and saw more than once. Um, I, I know, fuck man, uh, I know I, I went and saw Rob Zombie's Halloween with your parents. Yeah. I went with your mom and dad, which is hilarious because, uh, they're divorced, they're divorced, but they're like still really good friends and they were going to see it and I wanted to go see it and I don't remember why you didn't come. Either you had already seen it or had, I don't know, someone to go have sex with or, or pet a cat or something, but I went and saw it with them. <laughs> And it was it was a good. I still really like that one. And if we're gonna talk about blasphemy, I enjoy Rob Zombie's Halloween more than the original Halloween. I said it. Fucking kill me. Hey, I I I I would have to completely agree with you, man. I mean, you know, I actually got into a conversation with a buddy of mine the other day, and he hated 
Rob Zombie's Halloween, and I was like, you know, I, I just thought it blew the original one out of the water. And so, you know, if uh, again, if people out there want to kick me in the nuts, that's fine. But uh, that was a damn good movie. Yeah, well, the original Halloween is just one of those movies that's that it's it's legacy status. So you really have to be careful about how you talk about it because legacy status horror movies are like people will punch you in the fucking teeth for that shit. You can't talk shit about that or you will get fucking curb stomped. Yeah, well, that, everybody out there that, you know, wants to do that to me or whatever, they can kiss my ass because, again, that was a damn good movie. Don't get me wrong. The original was cool. You know, it was a little bit drawn out, but it was cool. But, uh, you know, and I, and, I, and I own every single one of the original Halloween movies, but, uh, you know, I, I just can't get past Rob Zombie's. This, his second one was kind of eh, but uh, the, the first one that he did was amazing. I specifically only own Halloween H2O because Buster Rhymes is in it, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the only one I care about anymore. Just kidding, yeah. guys. Don't, don't fucking send death threats to me. Anyway, so we have a movie for you guys today, and if you haven't watched it, you might want to watch it before we get into this, because we are going to spoil it, and it is, it is a Korean movie, came out in 2010, and it is called I Saw the Devil, and the sto- like, it came out in 2010, and my, my girlfriend, Reese, tried to convince me to watch this movie, and I really hate reading subtitles. So I was like, no, I'm not going to watch it. It took me like two years to watch it. I watched it in like 2012 or something. And when I watched it, I was blown away. It was one of the best movies I've ever seen. And when Kenneth and I were talking about what movie we should do, we wanted to go, we knew we wanted to do something Asian. And I said, I saw the devil. And at the time, he thought he had seen it, and he was like, yes, let's do that one. And then it turns out, he had not seen it. Yeah, I think I was confusing it with another one. But uh, I've watched so many Asian horror movies because, you know, I've got this feeling that, uh, you know, in today's uh, today's world of horror movies, especially in America, um, I honestly think that every once in a while you'll find that gem for American horror movies. But for the most part, it's pretty stale. And so I, I tend to venture out to other countries for horror movies. And so I've seen a lot of Asian ones, and I think I just, I think I confused it with another one. But uh, for what it's worth, it was my first time watching it. And I wasn't as enthusiastic as Jerry, let me just say. <laughs> I don't see how. I don't see how anyone could not be enthusiastic about this movie. I don't know. Maybe this movie just strikes a chord with me. I'm a big fan of. The actor who plays the killer, he was Odaisu, an old boy. He was in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, or no, he was in Lady Vengeance. Yeah, he was in Lady Vengeance. Um, But I love him, he's a fantastic actor. Um, Also, let me just say this now, I cannot pronounce Korean names correctly. I've tried, my girlfriend wrote out how to pronounce these for me, and uh, I couldn't do it. So... Most people are renamed with basically whatever I felt like was their main title in the movie. So, for instance, the killer, who is Ki Young Chol, he's just a killer. That's what I'm going to call him. Um, so as we go in, I'm going to explain each... When I get to that character, I'm going to tell you this is the character. And you'll 
if you watch the movie, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Because it's, it's pretty set. So, starting off, the mo movie, it's snowing, it's at night. There is a chick in a car on the side of the road. She's on the phone talking to what we assume is her boyfriend. Um, it's her fiancé. He is a secret agent. Um, and I refer to him as agent. And I refer to her as fiancé. So, <laughs> that yeah. So, they're talking. It's, it's fucking cute. And a man shows up and knocks on our window and is like, what's wrong? Do you have a flat tire? Looking like he's trying to help. This is, yes, you guessed it, the killer. She says she's got a tow truck coming, blows him off. He disappears. She goes back to talking to her fiancé on the phone. He sings to her like I used to sing to Kenneth to get him to sleep. Uh, when he didn't have enough drugs to knock himself out. So... It Just to make good. this clear, that was a different time period in my life, and I've been sober for quite some time now. Just to make that clear. And to be <laughs> clear, the reason he didn't have drugs at the time is because I did them. Right. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, the, the I she gets done talking to her husband, or fiancé, and she's like, why the fuck is this car still here? She turns on her lights. And Killer shows up right out of the corner of your eye and just starts beating the shit out of the window. And this whole scene is just, like, from as soon as he hits that window, is um, shot so beautiful. The cinematography on this is crazy. He starts banging on the window, front window. He moves to the side, busts in the side, opens the door, goes in there and just starts fucking hitting her in the head with, I, I want to say it was a hammer. It was it was like a little mini sledgehammer. Yeah. So he it, that scene is just super well shot and and the music for that scene fits perfectly. If anything about this movie when you watch it, you should take away from it is the cinematography and the music for it are just amazing. Well, see that's and, and at the beginning of the movie, I was very hopeful you know what I'm saying? Going into it, once once I realized that I'd never seen it before, because that that opening scene when it's snowing and whatnot, it, it's basically your your the view that you're seeing is from the inside of the killer's van, and it's snowing and the music's going in the background and the and the music kind of reminds me of um, I think his name's Akira Yokohama, the guy that did the uh, the music for uh, Silent Hill, and um, which you know just to put this in there, I'm a huge fan of. But beside the point. Um, that's what it kind of reminded me of. And so, you know, if you really look at a snowy night or something like that, if you walk outside when it's snowing, it's extremely creepy because the, the snow just sucks in all the lights. So everything else is just real dark. And, and it looked really, really good. And then once it got to the car, this is where my, my hype for this movie started going down because I knew immediately what was going to happen when the dude walks up. You know, the killer walks up, he walks up to the car, and I was just like, okay, this chick's about to just get it some kind of which way. The cinematography was great. It, it really accented on the brutality of the scene, but at the same time, it was it, it was another one of those that was stale for me because it, it was just like everything else. I mean, you know, a killer walks up, talks to the chick, disappears, comes back, busts in the window, beats her in the head with a hammer, 
And then the best part of it, though, for me, is when he's kind of dragging her through the snow right oh, yeah. after that. Yeah, and the blood is trailing behind her through the snow. Now, to me, that looked really wicked, and that actually, I would have to say, was probably my favorite scene in the entire movie, and it happened within the first 10 minutes, you know? Yeah, that scene where, where he drags her through the snow, how the camera moves. Yeah, is, it was great. awesome. So... Then we go to his, his, I guess, at this at this point, a warehouse or some kind of big open garage, something like that. The chick is in a plastic bag, naked, and he walks up and he starts talking to her. She begs for her life. Typical stuff, but then she hits him with, the reason you shouldn't kill me is because I'm pregnant. Which again is just, it's typical. You know, I, I got irritated right then. I was just like, okay, you know, this is another one where a chick's begging for her life, begging for her life, and and the baby inside of her. And don't get me wrong, I have a child. I love my daughter, and you know, I can I can see for some people that are not used to watching movies like this, the the impact that a a female saying I'm pregnant, don't kill me, would have. But it, I've seen it so many times in horror movies that I'm just kind of like, eh. Yeah, I, yeah. I really liked the scene, and I liked that he didn't really show any emotion either which way when he was just like, yeah, well, you've got nice skin, so you're dead. Like, he does, he just start, starts going in on her, and they, you really don't know what he's done to, to her up to this point. You just, she's super calm. She's not even like yelling or screaming like she's like i'm gonna die here let me just ask like when you go it never hurts to ask that was the mentality she had right just maybe maybe and he's like i think at this point man i mean the only thing that was really driving her was the fact that she was pregnant if she hadn't been pregnant i honestly think that after all the hell that she had already been through she'd have just been like fuck it you know what i'm saying yeah so uh, and, and the only other important thing that happens here is it shows that her ring falls off her finger and he cannot find it. That That's pretty important. That'll play a part later. So that but jumps. Again, <laughs> that's another one right there. I knew exactly what was going to happen. And when we get to it later, you know what I'm saying? I will, I will come back to this. But <laughs> when, the, when, when she loses her ring, I was just like, yep, there's another one right there. Something else is going to happen later in the movie. Yeah, they, I mean, this movie does... <laughs> use a lot of classic tropes for a serial killer movie. I, I will give you that. It does do that. But uh, then we see some kids walking around in a field. I have no idea why. One of them finds a black plastic bag. He pulls an ear out of it and he calls his friend. So, of course, cops show up. They're looking for everything. And a an old man... Shows up and comes running and all the police are like, no, 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 stay, don't come, don't come. Well, this is the father of the fiancé, who I will call father. And he used to be part of the police force. Um, I guess he was a chief or something and he's retired. So, it goes to them, they're looking through the water, trying to find something. And we come up to a scene that reminds me so much of Jaws, it's not even funny. This whole scene reminds me of the Ben Gardner's boat scene. Yeah, right. I didn't even think about it till just now when you said it, but yeah, you're right. It it has a lot of a lot of nods to it in that one. 
And th there's another scene I'll bring up later that is also very Jaws-like. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's just me because I love Jaws so much. I, I just automatically put it into things. But they find her head. The, the, the secret agent who was her fiancé shows up. And I just want to say, Asians have the best, like, blank, devastated, like, look on their face I have ever seen. Especially that guy in this movie, I gotta give I gotta give that guy credit. The agent, I've got to give him credit. I've seen him in other movies before, but uh, I've got to give him credit. He uh, he really, you're right. He really pulled that off, man. Because when he's just sitting there and he's he's like the, he's like in this daze of just pain and and fear and awe of the whole situation. And 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 at this point. This guy, other than him talking to her on the phone when she was in the car, at this point, this guy has really not had any dialogue whatsoever. And you know what I'm saying? When you see that look on his face, I mean, you're totally right about that. I got to give the give the actor credit because you could get everything that they were trying to convey just by that one look. Yeah. And so after that, we go to the funeral. Everyone's crying. Agent finally breaks down and cry and walks away. I got to go back to something though. Okay. I got to go back to when they find the head. This is these are two things. Number one, I got to give them credit for how perfectly they did when the dude walks up and he pokes the pokes the head with a stick and it just perfectly rolls over in the water and then the head the hair just just moves perfectly off of the face so you can see who it is. And and granted, I mean for for all you folks listening out there, the head is completely submerged underwater. You know, yeah. and so when he pokes it with the stick, it rolls over perfectly, and then and then the hair moves perfectly, and then right after that, the funniest thing to me in the entire movie is all these people just going ape shit over this head, and I'm like, if there's any other kind of evidence out there where they find this head, it is fucked. Oh yeah, you know, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Like there are all <laughs> these cameras going off, and people like, I mean, they're, I mean. Yeah, they just pick the head up and stick it in a box. Yeah. And then one of these people in these suits, these forensic suits, just starts running with this head and then yeah. drops it. And it <laughs> bounces out of the box. And I'm like, my God, man, there is no it, fucking way y'all are going to find this killer. It was, a, it was a Benny Hill scene. And then the father, <laughs> he was juking motherfuckers. Like, he, was a, he must have been a professional football player or something because he was juking through, like, crowds of people to get to the head to see it. To see if it was his daughter, but you're I never I never saw I never thought about that. But you're right, man. That was a that was kind of a Benny Hill scene. Yeah, because I got that right off the rip. I was just like, my God, what the hell is wrong with all you people? I mean, because there's probably like seventy five, maybe eighty people walking this little maybe four acre area of land, if that big. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And it's like they're just destroying all this shit. Like they, you know, you got cops and forensics people that, you know, they act like they've never seen a dead body before. It's like, don't people fucking die in Korea? Yeah, apparently, in, since they have fucking, uh, like, later on, like, the four suspects, like, they've all done similar things to this. So I'm like, y'all motherfuckers have had to find bodies before. Right. Calm down. So we have a couple of, like, boring scenes to go with the funeral then he goes to the office where his boss is, and they're like, what do you want, a month, two months? And he's like, I want two weeks. That's it, two weeks. And at that point, you know he's got for revenge. He's got a plan, and it's just a matter of what his plan is going to be. 
there's another spot in one of those scenes that I have to tip my hat to real quick. Um, the funeral scene right after that when the agent and the father are sitting next to each other and the father takes the time to say, I used to be a cop and I couldn't even keep my own daughter safe. And then he apologizes. And I mean, profusely to the fiance, I have to tip my hat to that. That was also really good. Um, from, from their, from them playing it off acting. I have to say that was really, really good. It was really good, but there's a certain part in that scene where they kind of go over to a girl's point of view, which I'm assuming is the father's other daughter, and it looks like the father is is blowing the agent. Yeah. And I was just like, wait a second. When she comes walking up and she's looking at him from a distance? Yeah. Yeah. Like They could have like completely curveballed everyone in this movie and just been like, turns out they were lovers, and... They secretly paid the killer to kill her so that they could be together. <laughs> the end. <laughs> what a great film. Yeah, so uh, he gets his two weeks off. Um, he he has a buddy who, I guess, works on... Almost like if you, like... I don't know, I guess it's their version of Q from 007. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say the Asian version of Q. Yeah, and he hooks him up with this GPS device. So he then goes to his father's house, gets police documents from his father because his father, because the father has uh, connections with the police. So he gets the documents, hands it over to him, and he leaves because the do- other daughter shows up and she's like, "What are y'all doing? I made food." <laughs> and, well, incidentally, um, I have to say she was really, really hot too. Yeah, that's true. There was a lot of hot chicks in this actually. Um, uh, she was my favorite. So the hunt begins. He goes to his house. He puts that shit up on the wall, and and here here we start with the hunt. And the first guy he goes for, this scene's hilarious. This it, it, the guy's sitting there beating off to porn. And if you know anything <laughs> about Asian porn, it's it's censored because of of laws. I know I didn't know this was the same thing in Korea. I know it is in Japan, but there's a chance he was just watching Japanese porn. Chinese is the same way. So Chinese is the same way. I just don't know if it's Korea yeah. or not. Um, I usually can't watch that stuff unless I have it on mute because the women sound like five-year-olds. I think they they just sound straight up like, like, you know, the really high-pitched voice of anime chicks. Yeah, like they're they're particularly trying to do that. But, so he's, he's going to town at this chick, um, and it's blurred out and stuff. Um, so, dude shows up and just like... If you were going to hit someone in the dick, Kenneth, what is the first thing that you would want to hit someone in the dick with? <laughs> if I was just going to hit somebody in the dick? Yeah. I don't. I, I think I would probably like to use the edge of a skateboard. Yeah. You know what you wouldn't choose? A surge uh, protector. Well, he didn't hit him in the dick with a surge protector. He hit him in the face with the edge of the surge protector. He used a fucking pipe wrench to hit him in the dick. Oh, you're right. You're right. He did. He did. He hit him in the face with a surge protector and hit him in the dick with the wrench. And the, I, after I strangling him with the cord, yeah. by the way, while the dude's just in his, you know, he's just in a wife beater and fucking these, the, 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 they look like tidy whities but they've got some kind of design all over them or whatever. The design looks like it's jacked straight from the 70s. Right, right. But I remember when I was watching the scene, I was just like, it would have been so much funnier if he would have came in like with that surge protector like nunchucks and hit him yeah. in the nuts with it. 
But I will say this. The one thing that I did not like about that scene, as funny as it was, is if you watch it closely and, you know, everybody's going to think that I'm weird for, you know, looking at this dude's junk through his fucking underwear. But uh, you can tell that when he whacks him with that pipe wrench, it's CGI. There's you, a, there's, yeah, but it's not it's not as bad as the other CGI one that I'll get we'll to get to, We'll get to that later because yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. We'll get to that later. But, that, I mean, it was just like, I was kind of like, okay, this could have been done so much better you know with what? practical effects. I'm not going to blame anyone for not wanting to take a wrench to the dick with a practical effect. I'm not going to blame them. Because you yeah, know but, what? I would be like, you know what? Not, not for anything. I fucked the sake of the art. I'm not doing it. I'm not taking a wrench even close to my dick. Yeah, but see, you wouldn't have to do that. If you think about old-school practical effects, they could have just live-casted the bottom half of the guy's body. Because I looked it up. This 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 movie, they spent like $6 million to make this movie, right? Which isn't a big budget in comparison to American movies, but still. It's for six million, Yeah, for $6 million, you can live-cast the bottom half of somebody's body and create the bottom half and literally have it squishing and bursting. And, you know, you see a nut fucking just... Bleh, you so, know what I'm saying? You hear that, South Korea... Get your fucking practical effects when it comes to hitting dicks correct. We're tired of the shit. Slacking. And, and I'm going to say the same shit when we get into it later about the other one. Oh, that, yeah, okay. Yeah, so that sucks for that dude. We go to dude two. He's on a moped. And uh, he just fucking runs his car right into the back of him. And I can't really blame him because he's on a fucking moped. Yeah. So... That one's kind of boring. He's just like, it's not me. And it's like, okay. He goes home. He can't sleep. So he gets back up, looks at the wall, finds another, looks at the third guy. But the point I bring up with this scene, with the can't sleep and get back up thing, is this is where you notice him starting to change. All of this is starting to actually affect him. And you, you start seeing it. And from here on out, every time he does something, it just chips a little bit more off. Yeah, I agree. It makes him a little bit more rigid, more like more like the killer himself. Yeah. So then we have a slow pan to another chick who's waiting at a bus stop in the dark of night, in the snow, cold as shit out there. And guess who shows up to offer a helping hand? Our buddy, the killer. Let, uh, let me just throw this in here so that way it isn't overlooked. The vehicle that the killer drives is like a little Korean school bus. Yeah. I have to I have to throw that in there. It's like this van. You know what I'm saying? Like those old Toyota vans. That's kind of what it looks like. And it's painted yellow. <laughs> and it looks like a little school bus. That's exactly what it looks like. I, so... I really like the uh, wings that are on the rearview mirror. Yeah, they light up when it gets dark. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. Those are. I, I'm gonna get me some. Yeah, you should. Yeah, I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it on my dick so you have an easier time finding it at night. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. So she, you know, it, to me that would make him seem more trusting that he has a like school official vehicle. You know, almost right. like it was a taxi service kind of thing. But these chicks are too smart for that shit. And they're like, no, you're fucking creepy. No, but they underestimate him and they underestimate 
the cold weather. Because the cold weather is going to make you say yes. The cold is his ally, and he will use it against you. And I can't. Say, I can't say anything. I'm not even a chick. And when it comes to the cold, you know how I am, dude. I, I absolutely fucking hate wintertime. And I despise snow. So it, I can honestly say that I'd probably get in a car with a serial killer so I wouldn't be cold. <laughs> yeah. So she gets in. He's trying to find something in the back of his car. She's starting to worry. She asks him a question. He ignores it. And he's just like, where, where did I put it? Eventually, he grabs a pipe out. Then he starts taunting her. And then, of course... He swings on her, which I kind of thought was kind of dumb for him to do this in his own vehicle. But I get—I mean, it's already shown he knows how to clean up shit, so I'm guessing he, he cleaned it up. But the best part about this attack is that he missed on the second swing. If you watch, he hits yeah. her in the head, swings again and misses. And I then, noticed it. And then hits her again. And I thought that added just the greatest touch of realism to this scene. Something that small can really make or break a scene, whether it takes you out, you know, with your level of uh, disbelief on it. And I thought that just added so much to it. Uh, And I agree with you there. I I mean, I can honestly say I noticed it the first time that I watched the movie because I watched it twice. And I I noticed it the first time that I watched it, and I actually chuckled a little bit when I saw that. Um, because I didn't, I didn't see it as, as most overly critical people would see it. And, and, you know, they're just like, oh, he fucked up when he was, you know, doing it. No, I I saw it the same way you did is realism because in a situation like that, you're bound to fuck up. And I also have to say that I really, in that scene, I appreciated the fact that the killer is rummaging around in the back and he's like, shit, where did I put it? (laughs) He's like, he knows exactly what he's going to do. And he has, I mean, no fucks are given whatsoever. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And I mean, when he's rummaging around for it, I thought that was funny. Yeah, it really was. And, of course, we get another scene of him back in his little garage thing. Uh, she's naked. And he made – you know what? This man is classy, and he's cultured, and he really likes uh, the French way of doing things. He likes right. French fries. He likes – baguettes and he likes guillotines and he's good with his hands so he made himself a homemade guillotine yeah but see the thing about that about that particular scene is you don't see what he really cuts with it either because you know you see him and he's standing there and he's holding it and again he's just got that i don't give a fuck look on his face and he just drops it you know yeah and you don't see whether he's cutting through her torso or whether he's cutting her head off or whatever he's doing. But I found that amusing. But it, it, at the same time, it made me think about it. Because if you remember from when he killed the fiance, when after he cuts her arm off and whatever else, after she says that she's pregnant, if you go to the next, the very next part of that, that you can see where her torso is cut at the stomach. Her head's gone. And her and her arms are gone, and I think at that point his her legs were cut off too. They were there, but yeah. you know her torso was cut. And then the same thing. This was something, and I hate to be jumping back, but that there was something that I forgot to mention before. You know when he when he just takes the body parts and he throws them into one of those uh, big ass storage bins. You know what I'm saying? The one thing that you never see in this entire movie is a motive for what he's doing. Like, you know, most killers, when you watch, when you watch these movies or if you, or if you're into serial killers, like I am, 
each one of them has some way of keeping trophies, you know, like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, you know what I'm saying? He kept, kept his body parts in the refrigerator and he ate them later, you know what I'm saying? Or uh, the one of the most infamous, Ed Gein, you know, he, he, he had furniture, you know, built out of people's body parts. So you never really see what this guy's motivation is in this entire movie other than the fact that he's just nuts. You know, it, it, that was one thing that I actually liked because all you ever see is him just tossing body parts into these storage bins, and that's it. You yeah. know? No, I, I 100% agree with you there. Um, so, the the other thing about this scene was that, that I wanted to point out, he gets right into it. Like, he doesn't really, like, spend a lot of time toying with them or anything like that. He he just gets into it. No no bullshit, no nothing. He he's the time to do it. And I like that cuz I think it adds it like shows he's he's on the ball. He knows what he's doing. He's done it a lot. He gets what he wants and then he knows he's got to get to work. So at this point, we go back to our agent who goes to the killer's families house his mother his father and uh apparently his son and the father doesn't have much love for him because he's like oh he abandoned us and the mother obviously loves him and the son is obviously very resentful of you know not living with him and being i guess moved away so they he finds out enough information that he finds where the dude lives from the son he goes into dude's house, and he's looking around. He sees these file cabinets. He starts breaking into them. And what do we find exactly what Kenneth was just talking about? Souvenirs. Bras. Purses. Just all kinds of stuff. And then this, and I will bring up, that there's one problem I have with the scene is the, the door that leads to the garage just out of nowhere moves. And at first, I'm watching and I'm like, oh, fuck, he's here. The killer's showing up right now. And they're going to get into it. But no, it just moves. I mean, I guess it could have been wind or something, but it moves. He sees it. He goes into the garage. And Kenneth, go ahead and bring up your, your favorite part about this ring. I mean, okay, again, all right. <laughs> He walks into the area where, you know, the, the killer has been committing these atrocities and cleaning up and he sees the blood stains on the floor, which again, I have to backpedal before in the, in the movie before he had cleaned up so well that you couldn't even see the blood stains on the floor. And now they're there, which that, that irritated me. And then he walks back in there and goes straight to the grate, you know, not no looking around or anything else like that. What else is in this room? Because this is a fairly decent sized room. You well, know, hold on. I, I feel like the grate was right next to the door. Either way, I mean that's the first. And then and then in this dark room where the only light that's coming in is from a cloudy outside because you know it, it, it's a serial killer movie, so it's always cloudy outside. And then yeah. you know what I'm saying. He walks in there, and and it's dim light and whatever else. And then he looks down directly into the grate before anything else, and notices that there's this ring in there. And then he pulls the ring out, and he notices, you know, obviously that it's you know his fiance's ring. So there's no doubt in his mind at, at this point that uh, you know there's no doubt whatsoever that the uh, the uh, 
the uh, I'm sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> There's no doubt in his mind at this current moment that this is the guy that had killed his old lady. So, you know, I thought that was kind of it was too straightforward. You know what I'm saying? It was it, I mean, it was like a direct into what's going on. And I, I, it, it made me lose confidence in the movie at this point. See, my problem is actually in this in the next scene. Um, the next scene shows that there is a tracking device on the killer's car. It does not show who put it there. And the immediate scene right after after that is him getting picking up the schoolgirls, the murderer picking up the schoolgirls. Um, to take them, and then the police show up at the school and is like, where is he? Call him. He gets the call. He ignores it. The killer knows that he's that they're on to him. He's got one chick left in there in, in his drive. So he's like, okay, well, I'm busted. I'm going to have some fun. My problem is, is it doesn't show who placed the GPS tracker, but hey, you... Hey. What? I didn't really even think about that because of the simple fact that it's just, like I said before, it's like a school bus, you know what I'm saying? So there's no, at that point, I didn't, there was no, I guess, there was no, there was no looking deeper into it because like I said, it was, you know, it's a school kind of thing. So I would assume that most of them, especially in a country, you know, because we, we all know that, you know, the best electronics come out of Asian companies anyway. Asian countries anyway so I really just you know I didn't even think about that and I still don't because it's a school bus man I mean so don't even worry about the GPS well because it's bound to have it on there here no but here's why though because the police do not find him the agent finds him so it is very clear that the agent put it there and not the police well I didn't think about it like that because yeah you're right the next place you see you don't see the police at the uh, at the uh, greenhouse because that's where he ends up at. It's that greenhouse, and you don't see the you don't see a, the you see the agent there first. So yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. So now uh, we're at the we are at the greenhouse, and he's got a whole dug. He's got his his. I'm assuming she's high school high school girl in there, and this is the first. I want to bring up how important this scene is because before this scene. The only clues that we've had that he's done something to his victims before killing them is that they were naked. But they did not show him raping or doing any kind, anything sexual to them. So this scene is very important because now you're like, oh shit, he, he, is, he is raping them before killing them. He is... And so- and then that gets into what I was talking about a little while ago, where now you're starting to, at this point in the movie, now you're starting to see motive motives for what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? So that that at that point really got me pulled me back in just a little bit because now I'm seeing motives. Because you know when you said the thing about the purses and whatever else, the only thing that I thought was okay, this you know this is evidence. You know what I'm saying? So he's just hiding it. I really didn't I didn't look at those things as trophies like I would you know, other types of serial killers. But at this point, yeah, now you're starting to see motive for the way he is. And uh, we'll get more into that a little bit further on because you see it even more later. Yes. And then and when and he's, what he says to the his victim in there is, you know, why can't I like you? Why is that not okay? You know, 
he starts showing that apparently girls have rejected him a lot in his life. I'm assuming the, the mother to his son, that probably was either a big breakup. Maybe he killed her. I don't know, but he has a lot of issues when it comes to women. So, and, and, and and I honestly think, you know, if you know me, man, I mean, when 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 I watch a movie like this, I try to interject myself as much as I can. You know what I'm saying? With for the level of sanity as much as I can into these movies. That's the reason why I love horror movies so much, because I can turn just about any horror movie, unless it's just absolutely terrible, into a visceral experience for myself. So, you know, when I uh, when when I interject myself into there, so, you, you know, um, th- this type of person, you know, I, di- I didn't personally grow up with any absolutely horrible family life or whatever else, but, you know, school life and things like that really sucked. So, you know, you can kind of relate to a degree, not to his level of insanity, obviously, but you can kind of relate to a degree for this person, you know, um, being rejected and whatever else. It's just, it's unfortunate that, you know, there there had to have been something even more there to be a stressor to get this guy to c- commit these heinous crimes. So, you know, but uh, yeah, you're right. That's the first time that you ever really get to see an emotional kind of thing coming from this guy. Yeah, this is this is the first time we get to see him, you know, before the kill, because we yeah. always show we we're only we've only seen him while he's doing the kill. The abduction and the kill. We've never seen what's in the middle. And they've only slightly... They had the very subtle hint that he does something to them because they were naked. But if I was going to kill someone, I would take off their clothes too. Like, get that out of the way. So it's not exactly like showing that he raped him, but it was the first hint. And here we have him... We we really do see him. And out of nowhere... The fiance's name is said. I, I'm assuming it's the agent, but it comes out and it sounds like a whisper. But if he would have done it, he would have had to like yell it. I was confused by this. I don't know. What was your take on that? Not, well, not necessarily. I mean, because you got to think about it. This is a greenhouse. It's completely enclosed. And even though you know the the, the agent just kind of pops up, you know, what I'm saying you can assume that it was him that said it, but. I honestly think that in that, well, it, you're right, kind of, because of the actions that were going on at that moment with the with the girl whimpering and everything, because he's basically in the middle of raping this girl, you know, with her with her whimpering and whatever else. You're right, but for some reason, he heard it, you know. And to me, this is this next instance when he kind of when the killer kind of pulls his head up, you know what I'm saying? When he hears that, that's where it. I, I love this next scene. It wasn't my favorite, but I love this next scene because it kind of kicks off at that point. And, I, and, you know, I'll let Jerry take the reins for that. But, uh, you know, I, I honestly don't know when it comes to that. Maybe, you know, it was just one of those kind of subconscious things in the back of his head. He was just like, oh, shit, somebody's here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It may have been. If, if, in, for our audience, if you know, tell me. Leave it in the comments. I want to know because I, I am 100% confused at this scene it almost like slightly came off as like paranormal at first or like it was the own killer subconscious that said something to him and none of that would make sense so but the greenhouse is where we really get into the second act of the movie the real meat of the movie and he hears the name the killer grabs his scythe he starts walking out there to see what's going on 
he sees Agent standing there. He turns on the light, and I love this scene where the light uh, go towards the agent as they pop on, and Agent's just standing there like he doesn't give a shit. Like, yeah, but see, but at the same time, the look on his face—he really doesn't even have an angry look on his face. It's it, it's it like is, it is like a a, a a apathetic numbness. Yeah, like he's just there, and he knows what's fixing to happen. Yeah, so the killer is like, "Who the fuck are you?" No answer. He just bums. He killer starts running towards him, gonna bum rush him. Well, the agent beats his ass. Yeah, that's, he, that's what you know I'm what? saying. It's completely believable because he is a secret agent. He would have these kind of abilities. He would it, well, have these kind of skills. Right, right. But, but, but you know, this is the this this and probably one other spot in the movie is where this is the only time where I kind of got that kung fu movie feel because I was just like the way he was kicking that killer's ass, dude. When, I was when he like, does the bamboo pole spin kick into the killer, yeah, dude, it was badass. That I was shit was like, awesome. Yes, oh, you know, but that was that, good. And the, and that right there is what hit me and reminded me that I've seen that the guy that plays the agent in another movie. He was in uh, he was in uh, the good, the bad, and the weird, or something like that. Uh, I can't even remember the I full want to name. Say of it. That movie was actually directed by the same director. It was. It was okay, because yeah. I because I went later and and I looked up. I saw the devil and I found other movies that was done by. It was the good, the bad, and the weird. That was it. And. Uh, yeah, and I saw that, and I was just like, "Man, that movie was great." And then, uh, then I started looking at other movies that I've seen that guy in, and he's done martial arts style things in other movies. So I, I really, really like that. And you know how I am about kung fu movies as well as horror horror movies. So it just kind of it brought everything together for me in that one moment, and I was just like, "That's really cool." Agreed. So the agent then puts a a bag over the killer's head to try to get him to pass out. But it's not really working well enough for him. So he just does an expect thing and just starts bashing dude's head into the ground. And I've never, I've never understood that. Okay, what is it about in every single movie that you see where they put a bag or plastic over somebody's face that nobody ever thinks to themselves to grab the plastic and pull it open to where you can breathe through it? 100% true, but the re- I actually have an explanation for this. Okay. Um, it's because... They're really hoping that they'll be able to make the front cover of the movie like Black Xmas if they let it go. If they just if they don't rip it open, they'll get to be the front cover like Black Xmas. So they don't want to ruin that chance. I mean, because it's like you see this in so many movies, and I'm like, how come nobody ever goes for the fucking plastic? You know what I'm saying? And I mean, and I've heard this theory that you know, if you if you were to actually do that to somebody, if you did it with a black bag. Or something like that, then your first impulse would be to try to get the bag off of you because you can't see through it. But if you do it with a clear one, then people can see through it, and that's the reason why they automatically go for the person that's trying to do it or whatever else. But I've seen so many damn movies that, granted, I've never been in that situation. I've seen so many damn movies that I honestly think the first thing I do is go for the plastic. Well, and it's also in that panic mode, you know, are you going to make the right decision kind of thing. So I think it's one of those incidents where. Yes, ahead of time or after the fact, you would know exactly what to do. But during that moment, while you're pissing yourself, would you would you know to do that? Well, yeah, you're so, right. But then again, I've never been in that particular situation. But I've been in other situations where I've had to deal with shit like that. And uh, 
you know, I'm not going to go into any details, but you know what I'm saying? I just, I honestly Kenneth think that I would used to pro- be into uh, extreme bondage movies. Um, yeah, you right. Can, you can find them online if you look hard enough. <laughs> um, so we go to, the ending of the scene is very, very important. <clears throat> he lifts up a giant rock and he does not bring it down on dude's head. He does not want to kill him. He wants to fuck with him. He the 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 official start of the cat and mouse game is about to begin. He f- takes out his little tracking device that he got from his Asian Q earlier, and puts it into his mouth, and then pours some white uh, liquid. It could be milk. It could be that chalky stuff they make you drink before you have an X-ray. It could be a lot of semen. Um, I'm really not <laughs> sure what it was, but it, apparently it forces you to swallow. Uh, see, I thought it, at first I thought it was like creamer for coffee. Maybe. I, I don't drink coffee, so I've never had creamer. But if you put creamer in your mouth, does it automatically force you to swallow? It's, if, if you do it by itself without coffee or anything, it tastes so damn awful that you want to get it out of your mouth or down your throat as fast as possible. Yeah, well, for us non slutty people, we would probably just spit it out instead of swallowing, Kenneth. Yeah, well, you know. Not me. I would swallow. I'm a whore. I'm all about, you know, swallowing mass genocide. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, (laughs) and and my issue I have with the ending of this scene, because I really do like how this scene ends, is that what does he do with the girl? Is he like, does he let her go to the police? Does he go, look, don't say shit. I no, I think you missed. I think you missed that part because there, if you actually see for a split second, you see her take off. So she just runs away, and and he yeah, you, about it. yeah, because you okay. you like they specifically show her getting out of the hole, but then later on, that for like a split second, you can see her taking off, like she takes off out the door. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So the killer wakes up in a hole, in the hole that he had dug, and he's just and there's an envelope. Um, no, wait, don't forget about the fact that the dude broke his wrist. Oh, yeah, dude stomped the shit out of his wrist before he put him in the hole. So his wrist is fucked up. His face is fucked up. He, uh, wakes up in the hole, and for some reason he has, the agent gave him a bunch of money, which, you know what, he doesn't even really, really use. Like, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember him really using any of that money. I don't really, I I I tell you the truth, I don't either. He used it in one scene when uh, coming up when he um, pays the for the hospital visit, and the right, right, right. Which yeah. he really, I mean, I guess he did that because of what he's going to do next. So we'll go into that. He starts walking down the road trying to get a ride, and a taxi shows up. And <laughs> this scene makes no fucking sense unless I thought it was great. Korea, South Korea is filled with serial killers. Because the dude in the front seat seems like he's all right, but the dude in the back seat's like wigging out. He is. He looks like he's just shit. ate way too much acid. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. He's not even at Snozberry's taste like Snozberry's level. He's way beyond that. Yeah, he's he's done. So and it and it and the the driver is all like, "Oh, you're so lucky I'm here. You're so lucky I'm here." But our killer, he's a smart. He's a smart dude. He he. He goes, something ain't right. He sees that the ID that's on the tax for the taxi is not the, the driver. He notices that. 
I don't know why they picked him up in the first place. I thought that was weird. If they were, if they have someone in their trunk, why the hell did they pick him up? This whole scene was weird to me. So, but it's cool because of this. You know what? And now that you say the thing about the ID, you know that I didn't even pay that any mind. Yeah, um, it's yeah. He notices the ID. Notices not there. Um, I don't think he notices the dude in the back seat slowly start moving the knife out from his back. But he notices that that's not going on, so he's just like, he's just, you say we're lucky, but I think you're very unlucky. And he just takes out, the killer takes out his knife and just starts stabbing the shit out of him. And then reaches in the back, starts stabbing the shit out of that dude, goes back to the driver, starts stabbing the shit out of him again. And then just back and forth, stabbing the shit out of these guys. Until the and this is, this is another one of those where I gotta give credit for the cinematography, because this, this scene was shot fantastically. Because the camera is basically panning around the car slowly, and then going back, as the killer is just going from... <laughs> the guy driving the car and the dude in the back of the car. He'll stab the guy in the front like four times and then stab the dude in the back like four times and then back and forth, back and forth, and there's blood spraying everywhere. It looks like an anime. It's yeah, it does. fucking fantastic. And, you know, he's just, I mean, just fuck, 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 and then into the back and then back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for like, I don't know how long this scene went on with him stabbing. It, it had to have been at least 45 seconds to a minute. And if you think about how quickly these actions are going on, 45 seconds to a minute is a long-ass fucking time of nothing but stabbing. I 100% agree with you. I feel like this whole scene was fan service. Like, yeah. They just wanted to do a cool scene. So yeah, that was, it was great. The scene makes no sense. I cannot fault them at all because that shit was entertaining as hell. Yeah, I was laughing hysterically when I was watching it. So the car crashes. He... Um, opens the uh, trunk, and of course there's a dead body in there. But he grabs a duffel bag out there, he goes and washes his, his hands and face in the water, which you know that water's gotta be fucking freezing. Yeah. That's gotta be some cold-ass water. But he's a tough motherfucker, so he does it. And the only clothes that's in the uh, duffel bag is a soccer outfit. The best part about this soccer outfit, it has huge crosses on it. And another thing that I have to say on top of the crosses that is amusing is how many times the killer himself calls uh, calls other people in the movie crazy people. Oh, yeah. He is always crazy bastard. Crazy yeah. bastard. Crazy yeah. bastard. It's everybody else. You know, this is a dude that, you know, cuts women up and whatever else, but he calls everybody else crazy. I thought that was funny. It's 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 like that Mitch Hedberg joke where he, where he goes, you know, crazy straws? My straws ain't like that. These straws <laughs> go straight to the mouth. These straws are sane. <laughs> like that's that's how I picture him when he thinks to himself. Oh like, man, I miss I miss Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, it's fucking great. But so he he leaves all the bodies there. Um, the agent shows up the next morning, sees that all the bodies are there, and keeps going on. Um, so the killer goes to a hospital, and he get, he's all fixed up and everything's going good. And the old dude starts like condescending to him. Don't play so rough and you won't break your wrist. Who even hurts their wrist while they play soccer? <laughs> and I love this scene because I cannot say how many times I've had to bite my tongue when old people start talking like this to me. And I want to be, and I just want to be like, shut the fuck up or I'm not fixing your computer. Hey, be fair, dude. Be fair. You know, when it really comes down to it, you, you get irritated at most everybody. It's not just old people, so be fair. Well, yeah, but here's the thing. 
they're crazy bastards and I'm not. <laughs> so, so, so right. he tells the motherfucker, watch how you talk, all this, and then he's like, give me your glasses, take your glasses off. I don't know why, I guess he didn't want to hit him with his glasses on or something, he didn't want to hurt his hand on the glasses, I don't know what that was about. But the nurse shows up, and it's super awkward, um, and she closes the door, and they don't show whether he does anything to the doctor. I'm assuming he doesn't, but I also assume he does, because after that, he goes and pays the chick, and he's like, yeah, you're too, you're, you're so hot and so young, and why don't you have a boyfriend? Are you fucking with me? And she's getting creeped out. He throws a bunch of money down, walks out. She goes in the, to the back, and he's sitting there. First of all, how the fuck did he get back in there? I don't know. I thought about that too. At, at first, I didn't even realize that he was even in there, and and apparently she didn't either because she just walks into the door of this storage room and gets about five or six feet in before she realizes that he's sitting there, and then turns around and looks. You know, but uh, I have no idea. But I agree with you because you never see the doctor again after that. Yeah, and you'd have to assume. I mean, he, I mean, at one point he throws something in the room, makes a loud noise. You have to assume he would hear that. So something happened. So anyway, he's telling the the girl to strip, and she's doing a terrible job of it. Um, and the agent yeah, is horrible. listening. He is listening. Apparently, his his GPS tracker also gets great audio from inside a human body. And here's my thing: if you've ever heard a GoPro inside its casing, the audio is terrible. GoPro needs to call the South Korean uh, Secret Service and be like. We need your technology for audio so that our GoPros actually have good audio. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, so he's telling the chick to strip. Um, Agent puts on his headphones, hears that shit. He shows up, and once again, we get fight number two. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, well, he just yeah, walks I, in and hits that motherfucker with a, with a uh, fucking fire extinguisher. And I, and I have to say this, don't don't forget about the fact of, th- in this point, you get to see a little bit more of how shot out. I mean, at this point, you know, the, the shit with the doctor, and then he's already started fucking with this girl a little bit. And then you got to get to the point, if you got to, this gives a little bit more to the killer, because he, he had made her start stripping. And she was crying and whatever else. And then it, then the scene goes to the uh, to the agent in the van. And then it comes back, and dude basically grabs this chick by the top of her head and shoves her down. And obviously, you don't see it, but he shoves her down. And then the next thing you know, you know, you can hear the noises of him basically forcing her to give him head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and I, and I, and the reason why I'm putting that in there is because that 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 gives you the level of 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 not give a shit about women in general. This guy obviously has, has a major, you know, uh, thing against women in general to the point of where he would degrade this girl to the, uh, to that level. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because you know, it's bad enough when, when a guy rapes a woman, but when he forces, you know, basically sticking his dick in her mouth, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that, yeah, uh, to it's me, so degrading. yeah, that's, that's another one of those, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you have to, you, it gives you even more insight into this guy, even after the point of where there's no fear or anything whatsoever. Even though the agent is fucking with him, he's he's still doing his same old shit. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, you know, well, at this point he doesn't know that the agent is fucking with him. He doesn't quite understand 
why he was let go or why he's got the money. He just automatically goes out oh, crazy bastard. Just another right. crazy incident that happened in my life. But here, while he's getting his his blowjob, uh, he sh- the agent shows up and hits him in the fucking head with a uh, fire extinguisher. Um, you know, this killer it might be a superhero because he gets hit in the head so much and not once I, I don't think he suffered a concussion. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking that as it was coming out of your mouth. You know what I'm saying? That, uh, you know, you really do. You see this dude get hit in the head in this movie with all kinds of shit. You know, to the point of where he's bleeding profusely from his skull, and he's still functioning just perfectly. Yeah, and so then he he beats the shit out of dude, lays him down, he and then he's just like, you know what my favorite movie is? Pet Cemetery. You know what my favorite scene is? The Achilles. <laughs> and he fucking stabs the Achilles and cuts it open, and then and he t- and the nurse is about to leave. She's gotten dressed. She's about to leave, and he's like, no, 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 you stay here. Someone's got to treat him. And at that point, you're like, oh, man, he is serious about this cat and mouse thing. He, is, he was serious when he said, I'm going to make him feel all the pain that you felt. Yeah, at that point. And, and I, I, that was another one of those where I just felt so bad for that chick. Because this is, you know, I've already, I've already went into detail about what he put her through. You know what I'm saying? And then on top of that, she's got to keep the fucker alive. So I'm just like, I, you know, I, I, I have feel assume, bad for her. I have to assume that the agent was like, look, I know you don't want to do this, but here's the thing. I'm going to make him pay for all of this. So just do it. And she's like, okay, well, fuck him up. So he gets fixed. He gets his little hospital boot on. Um, he gets dropped off in a parking lot and and with the car that he had uh, stolen. And he starts trying to find the tracking device on the car because he is sure that the tracking device is on the car. He can't find one. So he starts driving and then he decides to abandon his car. And one of the funniest scenes in the entire movie happens. He's trying to get someone to pull over for him. And guess what the first vehicle is that shows up <laughs> a fucking military truck two of them and, oh i had forgotten all about that and they're just yeah. like do you need help is your car stalled and he, the killer just looks at him with this blank face like he's just just yeah, fuck like that. so dumbfounded as at what has happened and and the scene doesn't really have a solution we assume he just goes no i'm good sorry i just i'm having a bad night or something and they go away and he starts to walk but that scene's hilarious yeah yeah i completely forgot about that but i can imagine in my head in that situation that you know instead of crazy bastard coming out of his mouth he's just like yeah fuck this shit y'all go on i used to see him in his head just going well fuck me yeah that was yeah now that i think about it that was pretty funny yeah so the killer shows up at a house but before we figure out that house situation the father calls the agent, and the daughter says one of my favorite lines in this movie. She says, because the father is trying to tell him to stop, he hands the phone over to the daughter, and she's trying to tell him to stop also, and she goes, revenge is for movies. Yeah. And that's ju- just a good line, especially since the killer 
was in two of the Vengeance trilogy movies, right. uh, Old Boy and and uh, M- Mrs. Vengeance. Yeah. So that was just a really good line. I really like that line. Anyway, they beg him to stop, and he's just like, no, not happening. So we then go to a nice dinner. Um, the killer is eating dinner with the couple. And the couple is the, the guy that he walked up onto the house that was burning stuff and then feeding meat to the dogs. You can easily assume that he is not very nice. And uh, so they start talking, and dude is eating raw meat. Well, that's because dude is a cannibal. Yeah, and the stuff that he was burning was the evidence from people that he killed. Yes. Um. So it, it comes out in conversation that they're old friends. They apparently were part of this, like, old anti-government uh, militia, and they used to cause all kind of shit. But cannibal knows how fucked up killer is and cannibal like at one point uh the killer is talking about the meat that he's that cannibal's eating it was just like that's just fucking you're a crazy bastard his favorite line you're a crazy bastard and the cannibal buffs up and is like what the fuck did you say yeah that was that was awesome that it's a really good scene because killer puts him in his place by saying that meat is making you crazy you know who i am I am the oh, fucking yeah. one. So yeah, I will fuck your shit up. I will fuck your shit up, and he does not really. So, so they then go, and the cannibal starts talking about the agent, and he's like, "This one's a hunter. He is playing cat and mouse with you. You are his prey. He likes torturing you and releasing you. He's one of our kind." So. And- and and I have to say, before you even get to it, I have to say that was probably one of my favorite lines in the movie. That was one of my favorite lines because you know what I'm saying when he, when he says he's our kind, you know, it really puts this dude into perspective at this point. But at the same time, throughout the movie, you can see the emotional turmoil that the agent is having with what he's doing. But at the same time. You know, it, it, I, it's it's hard to explain that the whole level of of thought process, and then you know uh, the feeling and the emotion that uh, that a certain scene like that would give to a person like me, because I've seen so many of these movies. So you know, I really I really really enjoyed that whole conversation right there. Yes, and it's very important because the agent is changing; he is slowly changing, and he, and that's the question that he walks. Is he becoming like them? Is he taking too much enjoyment out of all this? You know? So it's a very, very great scene. I love that scene. I'm, I'm with you on that 100%. Um, so then he goes, you can go, t- Cannibal tells Killer, you know, go take a nap somewhere. we got plenty of rooms. And then Cannibal goes to find, make, make his next meal. He's got freezers full of, of body parts, but apparently he wants guts. And he has ran out of guts. So he then goes to a small room where he um, has a chick hostage. And he takes her out and he has her on a chain like a dog. And he walks her out and she tries to, to grab a staircase and everything. And he yanks her and shit. And uh, he takes her into this room and he's getting, to kill, he's getting ready to kill her. And we see the agent show up outside the house. So we know something's about to happen. 
So we go back to the cannibal in there, and he goes, oh, how is it done again? Um, hands, feet, head. I think that was the order. Hands, feet, head. Yeah. Um, well, all of a sudden his music turns off. He goes over to his music, and he's like, what the hell? Turns it back on eventually. I, apparently he doesn't know how to work it, which throughout uh, the scenes with him, it, I want to say that they're alluding to that is not his house. Yeah, he has it, killed it the beca- people of this house, and it becomes it more over. apparent. It becomes more apparent, and then, and then I don't know if you've mentioned it yet or not, but you gotta, you also gotta throw it in there that the the cannibal is not the only person that's there with him. You know, I mean, aside from the victims, you know what I'm saying. The cannibal is there with his girlfriend, wife. Yeah. So. Here, and she okay. looks like a loony, and she looks like she's a loon too. She looks, she looks like a Korean. Uh, uh, what's that chick's name that's in all the Tim Burton movies? The, uh, the uh, uh, Helen Bottom Carter. Yeah, her. He looks. She looks like a Japanese version of her, just kind of strung out in the face. Yeah, kind of um, like she looked like in Fight Club. Yes. So, um, the thing, and here's the thing with the fiance, or not the fiance, the the cannibal's girlfriend. We really don't really have much to with her, but apparently there's a there's an un, we watched the Netflix version, and Kenneth has informed me that there is an uncut version that you said it was missing. What did you say like four minutes worth of stuff? It's not it's not four minutes. It's it more like it's two? It, it's two or three. But I mean, you know, anybody that watches a, a fair amount of movies knows that it, two or three minutes of missing stuff is a lot. Yeah, you know. And so, and one of the scenes, you know, that uh, that was going with that is, uh, you know, the killer and the and that chick, because they're going at it at some point, and that was one they're of the fucking. things. That was, yeah, it, yeah, they're fucking. They were going at it, and and that got cut from the original version of it because in the thing that I was reading uh, in the article that I was reading online, apparently the Korean government made him take stuff out because he was going to the Korean government was going to give him uh, basically a restricted which would be the American NC-17 rating if he didn't take some of this stuff out. Yeah, and at that point he would not be able to put it into any theater in Korea. Mm-mm. So anyway, so yeah, that's that's a bit of side information. Um, I'm going to try to look into that and see what I can find. Um, but so the uh, agent comes around the house. The killer is, is sleeping. He kind of wakes up, and he remembers the fiance. He he has put together in his head who this guy is because the cannibal during their conversation at the dinner table said he you killed his bitch, you killed someone in his family, something like that. He this is personal. Yeah. So and the, the cool and the together. cool thing yeah and the cool thing about that scene is is it's almost like while he's having this epiphany. There's this, uh, you know, at this point, this guy has been doing this for so long that he has got a basically a sixth sense, for lack of a better term, of some shit. Something's about to fucking happen. You know what I'm saying? At this point, because he's already he's already started with cat and mouse stuff. So he already he's got he gets that feeling that something's about to happen. Almost like his survival instinct has kicked in. Exactly. Yeah. So that leads us to the agent versus the cannibal. Which is not that great of a, a scene. Um, the the agent quickly beats the shit out of him. But there is something important I want to talk about the scene. 
up in you there's such a big difference between these killers and the cannibals versus the agent the agent beats their ass quickly and i don't think that these people had ever had their ass beaten before because they're so used to killing women that they always take weaker women and that's their prey so they always feel strong and they think they can do anything and then they go against this agent and he whoops their ass and i think that's right. very important um from this scene um and the uh the killer the the agent shoves a a fucking screwdriver or something through the cannibal's hand and then ties him up and he fucks with him and is like what did you say the order was uh hands head feet kind of thing and then he's about to cut off the uh cannibal's hand but what do you know mr six cents himself the killer shows up with a fucking gun finally someone brings a gun to the knife fight and i have to say this on a little side note before we get further in there uh one thing that i want to describe about the cannibal is that you can tell that he's been doing this. He's been eating so many people because if, when you watch the movie, for people out there that are actually going to go and watch this, when you watch the movie, um, you can notice that this guy has obviously been doing it for a while because you can see the difference in physique between him and the, and the main killer because you can see that this guy has been basically a glutton for human flesh to the point of where he started gaining weight because of it. And you can see the difference between the two of them. And you can also see the difference between his mannerisms, almost like he, he is an unhealthy person from overeating. hundred percent. Um, so killers get some shots off, but nothing happens at the part where the cannibal is pulling his hand off the screwdriver from where his the, the handle came off and he now has to raise his hand off there like uh who was it? who was it that had that happen to him in Devil's Rejects was it Otis Yes that is exactly who it was his uh, hands were nailed to the chair by the uh the sheriff's uh brother or whatever Yeah that's that's what I thought so okay so now um he pulls his hands out there, and they all kind of move into the house. The My favorite part about the, the chase to the house is that the agent completely pulls a Home Alone and throws, like, these little hooks on the floor. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, and then the killer steps right on it, and that's what allows the agent to run in and, and fucking hit him again. Um... So, at this point in the movie, uh, he beats the living shit out of the killer with this pipe. I mean, finally, like, I think he actually gets a concussion and actually, like, gets put down, like, into, like, a small coma. Yeah, for a little so, while. the cannibal and his girlfriend are taken to another hospital when the police show up, but... The agent has taken the killer to his own to a different hospital where Asian Q has shown up and they're talking and Asian Q is like, yeah, well, as long as he doesn't have diarrhea, that tracker will stay in there. And agent's like, whoa, 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 shut your mouth, don't say that. He's right here. And Q's like, oh, well, he's passed out. He won't be awake, you know, for at least another day. 
Right. Well, this is where, Kenneth, you'll be glad to enter another trope. He's not actually asleep. He is awake, <laughs> and he hears it. Ta-da! Yeah. So, once again, the agent drops him off somewhere. But now the killer knows about the, the, the GPS tracking capsule, and he starts talking shit. He is taunting him, and then he tells him that one of the last things his fiance said was that she was pregnant. And in this, the, in this part, I was I, I was kind of hoping that you know the agent was going to go a lot more apeshit than he really went, you know, for this. But it just, it, I mean, you could see a little bit in him where he was all upset and everything. But it really, I was. It, I was expecting that there to be a lot more when he um, found out that she yeah. was pregnant, but there really wasn't. I I agree with you, but he's like, I feel like he's in, he's in a mode. He's got tunnel vision, and now he's so enraged that if had he had been close enough to get to the killer, I think he would have killed him right then. But he was not close enough to get to the killer, so the killer go goes and grabs a bunch of laxatives and just turns a bottle up like they're candy yeah tells the the agent hey you better get here if you want this guy to live that i just stabbed at the the store he goes and shits out the the gps unit digs through his shit gets the gps unit and then in one of the probably the only time in the movie that was actually gross he shoves it in another dude's mouth well, I mean, you know, you got to take into consideration the scene where at first you don't realize what it is until he sticks his hand in his own shit. You know what I'm saying? And he's digging around through it in one of those weird Korean toilets. But, uh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, so I thought that was kind of nasty, too. But, you know, he di- it did show a few minutes of him washing it off, at least. That's true. He, Like I said earlier, he has class and he is cultured. Um, so he then steals the dude's car and the agent shows up like 10 seconds too late. So then in a complete weird turn of events, the, uh, killer calls Captain O, which is the guy who's been leading all the police around and says, yo, I'm going to turn myself in. So the agent shows up at the hospital and the cops are leaving the hospital. The agent is showing up at the hospital. He goes up to the cannibal and is like, you're going to tell me where the killer is. And the killer and uh, cannibal is just like, yo, you fucked with the wrong dude. He He's not going to stop. He's going to kill the family. He's going to fucking kill everyone. And then this is where we actually get 100% confirmation that the killer does indeed rape every single one of his victims before he kills them because the the cannibal says he likes to give them pleasure before the pain right which i you hear this a lot this saying a lot give pleasure before the pain oh enjoy it before i kill you and i'm like this is how you know that these people are fucked up in the head because at no point is is rape enjoyable for the victim well at the same time you know what i mean like uh going a little bit off from the from the pain and pleasure thing um when he calls and says that he's going to turn himself in 
at the same time, when I first heard that before I before it got a little bit further into that, I was at the, at that moment I was kind of like, okay, is he doing this just to piss off the agent because the agent won't be able to maybe finish a plan or something like that, or is at this point the killer starting to be chicken shit? Because see. When I first watched it, I thought the chicken shit. I was like, dude, you're bitching out now? Really? Come on. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking. But then, you know, when he goes into the next part, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that's when I saw I was just like, okay, he's taunting him, and then he's going to do this crazy shit and not give the agent the opportunity to kill him. But I still think somewhere in the back of his head, he was kind of chicken shit at the same time, regardless. Uh... I don't know. I think at this point he he feels really confident. He has a plan in order. So I once I saw the rest of the movie, I didn't feel like he was chicken shit at all anywhere. Um but the 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 cannibal tells the killer tells the agent all this and the and starts laughing. The agent's like, "You think this is fucking funny?" And then he's like, "I'm going to give you a permanent smile." And then just yeah. rips the jaws, starts ripping open, like like giving him that Joker smile. Yeah, I thought that was pretty awesome, actually. And then I got to thinking about it, you know, this is a very weird thought, but I got to thinking about exactly how much pressure it would take to do that. Yeah, uh, I don't know, but I mean, that's going to hurt. I've, I've had like a paper cut between my, like where my lip, top lip and bottom lip meets on the side. Mm-hmm. Right in the corner and, of your mouth. Yeah, and that hurt terribly. I can't imagine what having it ripped open would feel like. Yeah, so That was the only thought that was going through my head, other than the fact that that was a cool scene, was, my God, how hard would it be to actually do that? Yeah, so after that, the agent now calls Captain O and is like, yo, he's heading to the father's house. So, of course, guess where our next scene is? The father's house. The killer is there. The killer is beating the shit out of the father. And let's talk about the the best CGI I have ever seen in a movie. Like, like 1993 Jurassic Park. Beautiful. Wait, I'm talking about the wrong scene. CGI was fucking terrible. What the fuck happened? Right? You know, and, and yeah, and that was the other one, man. I mean, because we had already talked about it earlier. You know, the, it it was almost like, you know, like uh, the first time you see in one of Romero's movies, you know what I'm saying, where you start seeing kind of the CGI thing with the zombies. That's kind of what this reminded me of, except for shitty. Yeah, it is really bad. Uh, I mean, because, like, I mean, that it, it's almost like they stopped the camera for a split second, slapped a green sticker on the side of this dude's face, and then started it back up again and did the scene and then did some really shitty editing over that green sticker. <laughs> and my biggest issue with it would be, it would be a completely different thing if this was like the first time they were showing someone get beat in the face. But people have been getting beat in the face this entire movie. Yeah, and, and it looks good. And that's and just now, another one right there where I honestly, you know, going back to what I said about the dude's nuts, <laughs> it, uh, practical effects, man. The practical effects on that would have been great because instead of doing that shitty CGI, you could have taken a shot where they used a mock-up of the dude's head and did a also another shot 
that had his real head there and then took those two and blended them together using CGI and it would have come it would have looked so much better than what they did. Yeah, I think we're both in in the compartment of I don't hate CGI, but when it comes to movies, like do a practical effect and then let the CGI help make that effect better. Yeah. Don't just use CGI. Exactly. And I, I mean, that, got, that uh, and I'm going to use a reference that you used a couple of minutes ago, you know, using Jurassic Park. That's exactly what they did in the first Jurassic Park movie. They used a they used puppets and things like that for the dinosaurs and CG at the same time to blend them together and make it look good. And I, and I think, uh, you know, that's kind of one of the downfalls of the later Jurassic Park movies is because they totally rely on CG later. And so, you know, it's the same thing. It's the same thing in this. The blending of practical and CG effects works so much better than just relying on animation because animation in a live action movie doesn't like that in that particular effect does not work well at all. Yeah. And this is why I'm excited about the new, uh, uh, Godzilla movie that's coming out in Japan made by Toho is they use a they're still using a guy in a suit but they're using CGI to enhance that and I don't know if you've seen the pictures of the new Godzilla oh I have he looks he bad as fuck terrifying and you know who who's directing that uh, the fucking guy who directed Neon Genesis Evangelion nice and the guy who's doing the special effects was the guy who directed uh the Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, all monsters, all out attack, what it was. The GMK one, the one that was like kind of dark. Yeah. Um, he also directed the three Gamera movies from the 90s. He also directed uh, the first two live-action Death Note movies. Sweet. Well, I mean, you know, as wicked as Godzilla looks in this new one that's coming out, man, I mean, it goes into, the, you know, you know how much I love Godzilla 2000 for that very reason. Yeah, because he looked mean as shit in Godzilla 2000. Could, if you haven't seen GMK, uh, Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, watch that shit because Godzilla's fucking eyes are like ghost white. Sweet. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I'm gonna have to check it out. Um. Yeah. Okay. Let's get back into this. Um. Shitty CGI. Uh. Daughter shows up, and uh, of course. At that, we we it's it's very much hinted to us that he's going to get the daughter, and he does. We don't get to see, we just get to see him tackle her. He's had enough concussions, but he's still tackling people like the fat dude from Varsity Blues. <laughs> um, so the cops show up, and guess who else shows up? The agent. The killer's already left, but the cops show up, and the agent shows up. And this is the other scene that reminded me of Jaws. Because the age, the Captain O walks up and just starts slapping the shit out of him. And it's like, this is your fault, this is your fault. And it reminds me of when Chief Brody gets slapped by uh, the little uh, Kenner, I think it was Kenner boy. And she slaps him and she's like, you knew there was a shark out there. Someone died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right before, right after the, the boy gets eaten. Yeah. Uh, Alex the boy's name was Alex, and it was Alex's mother came and slapped shit out of him. Um, and this scene, it just reminded me of Jaws, and I think it's just because I love Jaws so much that almost everything reminds me of him. But a funny, a funny side note about that, you know, this is kind of off subject, but funny side note about that, that was one of the first times that we ever saw that kind of brutality 
towards a kid in a mainstream movie. Oh, I never really thought about that. Look it up, man, because I, I remember watching the special edition, and I don't know why you didn't catch that, because you've got more than one version of Jaws. <laughs> it, I do. But yeah, that was actually one of the first times ever that you see something like that happen to a child in a mainstream movie. Yeah, on a completely other side note, there was another scene that got edited out, but uh, when... Michael is in the pond and they're trying to get the rope tied together and the other guy rolls up and he's like, do you guys need help? And uh, Bruce the shark hits his boat, tips him over, they all tip over and the shark eats the guy. There's actually a scene that was cut out where the the shark grabs the guy and moves towards Michael and the guy grabs Michael and they all start going and then as the guy starts slowly going underwater, because the shark's going underwater, he lets Michael go. And if you have any of the special editions, the scene should be on there. And it's a really dark scene when you really think about it. Like I vaguely remember that, so I'll go back because I've got, I've got one of the special editions. I can't remember which one it is, but I've got one of them, and I'll go back and I'll watch it because I yeah. vaguely remember that. All right, so uh, at this point in the movie... The father is still alive. The daughter's dead. The police are waiting for the killer to show up. Um, they they show a, a small clip of the daughter naked, wrapped in like a blanket on the side of the like road near dumpster, showing us that he raped and killed her. So he shows up. The killer shows up. He gets out of the car. He's got a knife. He's not wearing any pants. He's wearing boxers. There's blood all over him. You know, showing, yeah, I, I killed and raped her. Uh, to the audience. Right. Not to the police, to the audience. So, though I'm sure that the police put it together. These these aren't quite the dumbest police I've ever seen. These are no last house on the left police. <laughs> um, so, killer shows up, and he's just standing out there. Well, the agent shows up, too. He opens his car door, and I thought he was going to get out and run towards him, but nope. He backs his car up to hit the door on something to rip the door off and then runs in there fast and furious style and grabs the killer and throws him into the car. Well, sort of. Uh, He holds on to him as he's getting down the road. Yeah. And you see his legs kind of every so often touching the ground, which which I actually kind of like that scene. I mean, you know. I I know you were kind of, you know, picking at it or whatever because of the Fast and the Furious shit, but I actually kind of like that, man, because it was like, you know, he was thinking to himself that he wouldn't have enough time to get out and run to the killer and make off with him before the other cops got there. So he did the next best thing. He just kind of scooped him up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Which I thought that was kind of cool, actually. Yeah, so now we're at the we're back at the killer's house, and we're in the garage. All right, they, it, I, I, this is where it okay. The level of stupidity here. <laughs> okay, he goes back to the killer's house. It, I cannot fathom the fact that nobody had enough sense to think maybe we should go check at the killer's house. I have to agree with you there. 
Um, I mean, to me, you know, the only thing that I can think of is maybe the agent was thinking that nobody would think that he would take the killer to someplace that obvious. Well, you know what? Now that you bring that up, if I was a police officer and I knew a secret agent took him, he's not going anywhere obvious. But I think as a police officer, I still send at least one person to go check. Yeah, at least, you know what I'm saying, to kind of scour the areas. I mean, for 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 anything else, maybe the killer got away and that's where he ran back to. I mean, anything. Or at least have somebody have some kind of surveillance at the house. Something. It just, I don't know, it pissed me off. I No, I have to agree with you. That That is kind of a flaw. Um so he's got the killer tied up. He puts a cigarette out on his forehead, which I originally thought he put it out in his eye. So did I. Which would have been way cooler, but he did not. He put it out like on his forehead. Um, so the agent had – okay, so here we get to a big dialogue scene where the agent's like, you're going to tell me you're scared. You, I'm going to just give you all this pain. And the killer starts begging for his life. At first, I was like, oh, he bitched out. He didn't bitch out earlier like I thought he did, but this time he really is bitching out. I actually said something out loud while I was watching it um, during that part. My first impulse was the same thing. I was just like, come on, dude. You're going to wuss out like fucking Ted Bundy and start crying and fucking wanting your life? Come on now. You know what I'm saying? I literally said that out loud when I was watching it, and I was watching the movie by myself. Yeah, so, well, he then it turns out he doesn't. He's he's not. He was fucking with the dude, and he's like, I feel no pain. I feel no fear. Quit fucking with me and just kill me. You're not, you didn't win. I won. You can't get anything else out of me. And you're like, shit, man. That, like, wow. He played that off really good. Like, what's the agent going to do now? Well, the agent... It almost feels like he gives up. He's like, you know what? You're right. Puts this fucking thing in his mouth, and he's now in some saw shit. He, so, the killer is on the guillotine. The guillotine rope is tied, I guess, to the door, and then the the rope from the door is tied uh, to a piece of bar that he's, the killer's holding in his mouth. Does that sound about right? It's something like that, man. I sat there and I looked at that shit, and I was just like, when I was sitting there and I was looking at it, I was like, okay, how is this working? Yeah. You know, because it's... I really couldn't tell. I couldn't either. I mean, I, the idea behind it was sound, but at the same time, I was just like, okay, is there one that's holding him still, and then the other one's in his mouth, and, you know, and then we get to the next part, which I'm assuming you're going to bring up, but, yeah. you know what I mean, I, I, I don't know, dude. It, it, that whole contraption that they had, that they, that you know, the agent had him in was just kind of fucked up looking. Yeah. So it def, the one thing I will I will say about it is it didn't look professional. It looked very like last minute rigged, which I liked. Um. So the agent leaves, and I honestly kind of felt defeated. I was like, yeah, the killer's gonna die, but the 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 agent really didn't get the revenge he wanted. That is until a car pulls up, which I thought was the police. I was like, oh, here they are, finally. They're going to accidentally pull the door and kill kill the agent. Not true. It's the, or kill the killer. It's the killer's family. And I was like, when did he even have the time to, like, 
make that phone call. But nonetheless, the killer family shows up, the mother, the father, and the son. And this is the point where the agent has fully changed. He has become one of their kind because he is getting revenge. And he's, he wanted it so bad that he doesn't even care that it's going to hurt others. And he becomes just like his obsession becomes just like the killer. And he now becomes the devil that he saw. Um, the family shows up. They're trying to get in the door. They can't hear the killer saying, don't open it because the shit in his mouth. They open the door. Head gets cut off. Head rolls over to the family. Uh, the family flips out and it goes back to the agent who now finally has a mental breakdown and starts crying um, tons and that's that's where the movie leaves us. And don't leave out the part that he actually had one of those little tracker pill things sitting on the table next to the killer and he had his headphones in and that's how he knew everything that was going on. Yeah. And that's and, and from the, the parents and son crying that's what kind of broke him and made him cry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's the movie. That is that is the movie and and uh, man, the ending was fucking weak. I disagree. It was I felt fucking weak. Fit the movie. I thought it uh, showed he had become just like the killer because uh, of his obsession. That's with all, he that's, originally uh, saw the devil in the killer, and then he became the devil that he saw. That's all well and good, okay? Number one, all right, I have, all right, in in previous scenes in the movie, okay, I have seen the level of, of the agent, the guy that plays the agent's acting. The way that he portrayed that mental breakdown at the end of it, man, was fucking weak. You know what okay, I'm I'll give you that. Okay. It was. I was going to say something earlier that he cried way better earlier on in the movie. Yes, dude. I mean, okay, that was number one that was weak. Number two, that fucking weird-ass goddamn saw contraption or whatever else, I, 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 it wasn't enough for me. It did, it, it did not do it for me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just like, you know, it, it was like a whole bunch of fucking build-up, you know what I'm saying, for the last fucking 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes of this movie. It was a whole bunch of fucking build-up, man, and then goddamn, the dick went limp. I was just like, fuck. You know what I'm saying? That's some bullshit. And then on top of that, you know, you got the killer fucking sitting there and he's already said to the agent he's just like you know go ahead get it over with fucking kill me blah 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 and then when he hears the people outside the door he's just like don't open the door don't open the door because the motherfucker knows he's gonna get his head chopped off so at that point he's just like okay now i'm scared i don't want to die or um or i think you're missing a big point in that or or i was fishing to say or he's just worried about damn he don't want his family to see or something like that but yeah, I, I he's made a there's a big point in the movie made that he stays away from his family, and I think that it is because there is some shame there. Whether it's what he's shamed of what he's doing or he's ashamed that he abandoned his family, but like I feel like his family is his one like weakness, and that's why he stays away from them. But see, I was actually about to ask you about that because I I I, I never really in in the whole movie I never really could tell whether it was something like that or that he just flat didn't give a fuck about his family. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it, it could have went either way, but you know, I just, 
it, the whole end of it, man, was just not enough for me. I was expecting something after, like I said, after all that build up and me having to deal with the issues that I had about the same old shit from other movies and blah blah blah. I was just expecting something else, man, and I just it, it just didn't do it. It hmm. I, I was disappointed in the end of the movie all the way around. It just didn't do so, it. So, out of a uh, out of a one through ten rating, ten being the best, what would you rate this movie? Honestly, dude, I'd probably have to put it, and the only reason why I'm putting it this low is because I probably won't watch it again, so it'll probably be around maybe a four or five. Wow, that's super low. So, going into this, before we started talking, I was was ready to give the movie a nine. Nine out of ten. I, I love this movie. But, after talking and you pointing out a few things that I had never realized i will say it has dropped but i still feel like it's it's like seven and a half out of ten nah i can't put it that high. and and the reason being is because like i said i probably won't watch this movie again you know and and, and you know me i'll watch movies over and over and over again and so i probably won't watch this one again and if i do watch it again the only reason why that'll be is just to see if i can catch anything that i may have missed to kind of watch it with more of a, you know, after seeing it already and whatever else, trying to pull more things out of it. But other than that, man, I mean, it was just, you know, and the only reason why I give it even a five, even half out of 10. And the only reason why I give it out of that is because, you know, there were aspects of the movie that, that I found amusing, you know, but overall, dude, it was just, it just didn't do it for me. Yeah. That's interesting. I really thought you would, uh, you would enjoy this movie. More than you did. Um, I, I think you're being a little hard on it for its tropes. Just because there's not many movies you're going to be able to point out to me that came out in the year 2000 and up that doesn't have the the exact same amount of tropes. Well, see, it's not really... Okay, when it comes to me, it's not really the the, the tropes that are there because just about every movie now has them, like you said. But the thing about it is the ones that are blatantly obvious, you know what I'm saying? And these were, I mean, just straight up blatantly obvious, you know. The, but you also got to take our caliber of uh, of movie watcher, you know what I'm saying? You look at me and you look at how many horror movies I've watched. I can't even fucking count them, you know what I'm saying? So it's like you 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 take that caliber of movie watcher versus the everyday movie watcher. You know what I'm saying? And they won't catch as much shit as we do anyway, but I honestly, the point that I'm trying to make with that is even the everyday movie watcher would catch those, man. You know, that makes me makes me think, um, what is, um, when it's c- comparing how in America what we've watched, compare, do you think there's a culture uh, part of this that goes is maybe these aren't quite tropes in Korea. I mean, and that's a, that that could very well be a possibility. Um, you know, because uh, you're right, we have not grew up in that culture to see it. But at the same time, knowing what I know about that particular director and seeing, you know, some of his other films and things like that, man, his his level of where he's at for some of his other films, man, I just, even looking at it from that perspective, dude, this was a weak movie even for him comparatively. 
You know, because interesting. Well, I mean, because some of the other ones that I've seen, man, I mean, he did he did one of the segments on Three Extremes too. That was yeah. that was amazing. And then you know other movies that he did. Uh, I mean, hell, he's done. He's been a he did part of like Tale of Four. Yeah, he did the Tale of Two Sisters. That movie was awesome. And uh, you know, he's done like four American movies. I can't remember what all four of them are, but he did like four American movies. Hell, he had it. He had a hand in Terminator Genesis, which you know it was good and bad for what it was, but still, I, I didn't watch it. But you know, I'm not a big that big of a fan of the Terminator franchise. Um, so I mean, I find I, I found this interesting that my opinion of the movie actually lowered a tiny bit from this, and I'm still completely surprised that you didn't like it as much as I thought you would. But that goes to show that no matter how well you know someone, and Kenneth and I know each other very, very, very well, you can always surprise even yourself when you talk to someone and that's the whole reason we do this podcast is through talking we're gonna learn more and i learned stuff about this movie tonight that i didn't notice uh, we we were both open about things and talked about it and that kind of communication is what makes the horror community great because i will say this while there are a lot of people in the horror community that are very of time like no it's it's this there are a lot of us that we can have these conversations and completely open our eyes to, to different things. Whether it's good or bad, we can see it. And that that's why I like doing these podcasts. This is why I love talking to Kenneth, as Kenneth normally will have these conversations and no one hears it but us. Yeah, that's the crazy thing about it. I mean, because, you know, for people out there listening, there is no telling how many of these types of conversations that we've had about different movies over the years. I mean, it's it's well up in the hundreds of these kind of conversations. And I mean, horror movies isn't the main subject matter, but that's one of the biggest ones. And we just have been doing it for years. Y'all just happened on this particular one, get to hear it. Yeah. So we will be doing more of these. I don't know what our next movie is going to be, uh, but we'll, fi- we'll figure it out. But that was I Saw the Devil. Kenneth gave it a five. I gave it a seven and a half. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Check out our YouTube channel. Just search Kill the Cast, where we will have a video version of this, and we will also have some other videos for you to look at, um, including, I don't know if you've watched it yet, Kenneth, but I put up my uh, Kill the Trailer video. No, I hadn't yet. Which is, is really fun, because, Kenneth, you remember having to watch trailers to like where they didn't give away everything in the fucking movie or yeah when you got trailers now where it's not just giveaways you might as well not even watch the damn movie because you've watched it in two minutes yeah so we i wanted to go back to that to to the time where you just got a little bit from the trailer and you had to decide is it worth your money because it wasn't like to like if you were going to go see it in theater you had to go see it or else you weren't going to see it for, depending on, f- from two years down the road to, you know, a year down the road. It's not like today where they come out three months later. Like, movies back then didn't come out to a year or two later. And the on. crazy thing is, is that you could not buy 
the movie. They would come out in the video stores for rent before you could actually buy the movie. And if you actually tried to buy one of those that was out for rent, that was like $120 for a fucking VHS. Yeah. So I wanted to go back to that. So I've cho- so for Kill the Trailer, I'm watching old horror movie trailers that I, I'm trying to pick ones I've never seen the actual movie for. And from that, I'm just trying to decide after watching the trailer, would I watch this movie or not? And I did the first one today. It's on our YouTube channel. Our podcast is also available on uh, Podmatic and Stitcher. We recently got on Stitcher. It is on there. I checked today. Um, so, yeah. Thank you all for listening to the Kill the Cast podcast. My name's Kenneth. My co-host tonight was Kenneth. Your name's and, Kenneth? Uh, Huh? No, my my co-host tonight was Kenneth. No, you said my name's Kenneth, and then you said my co-host tonight was Kenneth. Oh, well, we're all Kenneth around here, George. <laughs> so Appreciate you having me, though, dude. Now, I've been wanting to do this for years. I'm glad we did it. I can't wait to do another one. Um, and I hope everyone enjoyed it. Like, subscribe, share, like, tell your friends, show your mom, get grounded, and become a disappointment to your father. All of that. We will see y'all next time. This has been Kill the Cast, and y'all have a good night.